Welcome to Empowered Owners, the podcast that takes you inside Empowered Ventures. I'm your host, Chris Fredericks. In each episode, I'll have a discussion with one of our employees to discover and highlight their distinct personalities, perspectives, and skills, while also keeping you in the loop with exclusive news, updates on company performance, and a glimpse into the future plans of Empowered Ventures. This is an opportunity for me to learn more about our amazing employee owners and an opportunity for you to hear regularly from me and others from within Empowered Ventures. On this episode of Empowered Owners, I'm talking with Amber Dillard, a CNC operator at Paramount Plastics. Paramount is a plastics thermoforming manufacturer based in Elkhart, Indiana, and joined Empowered Ventures in December 2021. Amber has a really unique background, having worked for and left Paramount prior to it joining Empowered Ventures, and then choosing to return once she learned about the transaction and some of the changes that had started taking place. I'll also be joined by Empowered Ventures financial controller, Tabitha Lewis, at the end of the episode to debrief my discussion with Amber and also shed some more light on how ESOPing excellence, which is a phrase we our team coined, is one of EV's four strategy pillars and what it means to us. With that, let's get to my conversation with Amber. Hi, Amber. Welcome to Empowered Owners. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining. You are an employee of Paramount Plastics, which is one of our portfolio companies at Empowered Ventures. Um, Could we start maybe with you sharing a little bit about what you do at Paramount Plastics? I actually am a CNT operator. We have regular CNTs, but I run the robot, which it's a two-sided machine that it pretty much programs it and it runs itself. I just got to break down, put fixtures on. We cut out all the like components on the parts to make them actual parts. Interesting. So running a CNC, a two-sided CNC machine like that, what What led to that? Like, how did you get here in your career or do you love what you do? I'm just curious, like what led to you doing this kind of work? I actually originally worked here when it was private owned by Rex and Lem back in 19. I actually was a group leader over in the vinyl department. And then I left to go be a server for about three years. And then I needed better stability. And then you guys bought it out and with the plan, My dad was still here. I had gotten him hired in as a driver, but now he's in the mold department. He told me about the plan, the employee owned, so I came back. And then Scott wanted me in CNC, so I ended up in CNC. Got it. So how long did you work at Paramount Plastics before you ended up leaving? Almost two years. Okay. And during that time, or before that, were you like in the RV industry? Nope. I've been a server most of my life. Oh, interesting. So primarily two careers, the restaurant, server industry, and then Paramount Plastics. Correct. And actually, I still do both. I work here Monday through Friday, and then I work three days a week at Cracker Barrel still. Got it. Okay, cool. How do you compare the two? What do you love about the restaurant, server industry, and what draws you to doing this work at Paramount? At the restaurant industry, I mean, we it's a restaurant. Uh, we meet new people all the time. I am a people person. I like to take care of people. So that kind of entails with my personality, but it's a nonstop go. You don't get to stop, but it's also tipped. So it's not always the same here. Steady paycheck. 
but that's why I'm not on regular CNC. That was boring. So they put me on the robot. It keeps me busy like the other job does. So as long as I stay busy, I'm good. And it's detailed oriented both ways. So they kind of coincide. Really, they do just with detail orientation, quality. I got a quality on parts, quality on food, quality of service, quality of getting stuff done. They go hand in hand. Just don't have to see about 1,100 people a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it sounds like you're someone who really likes to stay busy. Yes. I'm always busy. Yeah. The, you were bored on a single CNC, so you needed the double. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I was excited when they put me back, put me on the robot. I don't know who decided to put me over there, but I was happy. Interesting. So when you decided to come back, how did that come about? My dad was still here for one, and I li- I liked it. I left to be able to buy a house. I couldn't get the pay that I needed to get where I needed to be fast enough. And in the service industry, the, you can work all the hours you want. So I went there because I was here full-time, there part-time to begin with. I did, and so then I just flipped and went there full time and I'm back to doing it again here full time, there part time. Awesome. But I needed a lot of money to buy a house. So, cause I'm a single mom, so it's just me. So I had to buckle down and do what I needed to do to, and then when you guys got bought out, also make a totally different atmosphere than what it was when Rex and them had it. I came back. Cause like, yep, that's where I need to be. <laughs> Interesting. So your dad, how long has he worked at Paramount Plastics? He's been here for almost four years. I think he started in 19, June of 19. Yeah, yeah, four years this last June. So he stuck around and saw when the transaction took place and Empowered Ventures became involved. You heard about that through him. Yep. He told, I've knew about this place every day since he's been here. He'd tell me about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like I never left. Interesting. So when you came back, was it different? At first, at first it was not different. There were still some of the old ways there, but I joined the ESOP committee. We've hired a couple new supervisors and things have really started to change and it's getting way better. Wow. What can you tell me more about just on the positive side, what you're seeing that's progress at Paramount? Uh, everybody is more working as a team instead of against each other so it's like the old school way and the new way the my way is better not your way that's not happening anymore everybody's actually talking compromising and we're moving things around it's getting more organized we'll be able to do a better flow and the ESOP committee I think with what we're doing is starting to make it better like to get them to understand that we all have a voice and every if we work as a team we can get things better than just the atmosphere. I don't know if it's the new management too that helped. I don't know, but it's a lot better. That's really cool. So you're on the EO committee, the ESOP committee. For those that don't know, would you describe like what an EO committee does? Um, ESOP committee is we let everybody know and try to educate them on what it is to be an employee owner. So we tailor the events. We've been trying to incorporate them as much as possible now that we got everybody's attention start incorporating that into the events and stuff we've helped make little changes like employee of the month we started doing and then making sure new hires and if anybody needs questions or has needs answers on what it is to be an employee owner that's awesome yeah recently i heard through the grapevine that you had 
like a family summer party a couple month or two ago, and that went really well. And then like last week, our entire enterprise had a share price reveal. And we actually did that live on site at Paramount, which was a lot of fun. And your team, would you tell the folks what you, the EO committee also organized as a way to celebrate in terms of the lunch and the games and stuff? So what we do is, I think there's five of us. We all pick one thing to do. Angela was in charge of the shirts. We put Brent in charge of the food. And then Priscilla was in charge of the Jenga game. So she organized that and figured out how to do that. And then I was keeping track of who won what. And then we all decided on what prizes we're going to do. And then my dad and them had the wheel because we were going to build one. And then Ben said no, but we wanted a wheel. So while Ben was gone, we made sure we got a wheel. The wheel just made it so much more fun. Mm -hmm. So you did like trivia questions and then when people got it right, they would spin the wheel and get prizes and stuff. So all the Jenga games, Lego things were numbered. So you had to, we gave them a question and then if they got it right, they pulled their block, spin the wheel, and then whatever they won, they landed on, they won. Yeah. That was, it was so fun. I was watching some of it and yeah, one of the options was like lunch with one of the leadership team members and you could pick between Kurt and Ben and Steve. And that was fun. Cause I think like 20 people landed on lunch. 22. Prize. I was keeping track. It was 22. And I think Curtis has got 20 out of the 22 because he was like, you want to go to lunch with me? You want to go to lunch with me? It was cute. Oh, it was funny. That was so great. You guys did an amazing job planning that event. Why did you having joined after the acquisition? You haven't yet even had a chance to enter the ESOP plan. You will be soon, of course, but you chose to join the EO committee anyway. So I'm curious, like what really led to you having an interest in doing that? One, so I can get under better understanding what it was to be an employee owner myself. And I'm all about change. I wanted to see better for the company because it's a good company. The people here are good people. We just needed to learn, learn each other instead of it just being all about work and with being on the ESOP committee, we could do more of that. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Yeah. And I heard that you like to challenge yourself, like even with your work, like you try to be your daily output and stuff like that. Are you, would you consider yourself a competitive person? Not with other people, with myself. I always try to do the best that I can. Huh? Where do you think that com comes from? Probably my dad. He's a lot like that too. Interesting. Just, okay. So when we did the price reveal, did you see our shirts? Yeah. <laughs> we both guessed the same price without even talking. We picked this, we picked the same color of shirt too. And we didn't talk about it. We, he's seen my shirt. I did my shirt first and he was trying to figure out whose shirt it was. And then the next day I put it on. He's of course it was. Oh my gosh. So everyone like picked a neon colored shirt and then you had like decorations. They could do like their share price guests on their shirts, right? Yes. And we didn't do it. We didn't think about it, but we should have done the best decorated shirt, which we will plan for next time. But it was fun. It was fun. And the shirts are so cute. I should have worn mine today to show it, but I forgot. Yeah. So growing up, you, did you see your dad? Was he a pretty hard worker? No. My dad was always at work. My, my dad, my mom worked night shift. My dad worked day shift so that they didn't have to have a babysitter. Dad was always at work. So was my mom. 
until she stayed home until we were all in school. Once we went to school, she went to work. And as far as long as I remember, my parents have always worked. Yeah. Did you grow up in the Elkhart County kind of area? Nope. St. Joe County, South Bend. South Bend. Okay. Okay. So it has your, what has your dad done most, like most of his life from a career perspective? Oh, he's done a lot. He, when I was younger, he used to do electrical work, climb the poles and stuff when we were in Texas and stuff. He, uh, he's worked his way up. He's worked at Bandag, which would be Bandag Tire, which I don't think they're open anymore. He worked there for many years, but then he worked at an ambulance company where he painted ambulances and for, he worked there for 23 years until they went out of business. And then he got into painting Arby's. He was doing the art of design. It's called Toad Industries. His name is the art of design is actually what the place is called. He worked there for about 10 years. The Arby's with the fancy New York cities. He did all that. That's all him. Like they did the graphics. His boss did the graphics, but he's the one that painted all that. Wow. And then it just with the paint fumes and stuff, he wanted to slow down a little bit. And we were hiring a driver. I'm like, hey, dad, you can come drive. He went from driving to he's now head of our engineering department. He makes the molds. So without their molds, we can't do anything. Yeah, the molds at Paramount are a really important part of what Paramount does. Can you describe a little bit about what the molds are? It's The molds are like candy to shape candy. It's the same thing to make the dash, the sidewalls, anything. We form it and it has to be a precise diaphragms or inches everything has to be precise sanded down remolded and then you don't need just one you need one for forming cnc's got to have one sometimes we need one to assemble it just depends yeah interesting cool what about being a single mom i'm sure that is not easy yeah. never is never has been but it was easier than dealing with what I was dealing with. Sure. <laughs> my, my oldest is going to be 24. I have a 19 year old, a 12 year old. And then my 20, my oldest has got a little four year old boy. I'm raising him though. So I'm actually on number four. He's a smart one, but it's, it's been hard. I do nothing but work. I've spent most of my kids childhood working, but we're getting there one step at a time. You were able to buy a house, which is awesome. Yes, on my own, by myself. I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't be able to do half of what I've done. They've always babysat for me. And even when I went, bought the house, they had to help me a little bit to get it, but I got it. That's amazing. Are you proud of, kind of what you've accomplished and how far you've come? I am. Not exactly where I wanted to be. I would have. Mm -hmm. I think back sometimes if I would have made a few little bit of choices, my life would have been easier. But I made the choices and I dealt with it. Yeah. Persevering. That's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Amber, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and both about what you do and, and your life. I think it's really inspiring just to hear what, how far you've come and the perseverance you've had. If it's okay with you. We'll have you come back for a few more questions just to get to know you a little bit better. Sure. And we're back with Amber. So Amber, I have five quick, probably silly questions for you. Feel free to answer them as short as you wish or as long as you wish. My first question, what's your favorite hobby? Sitting in my room. <laughs> so peace and quiet. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't get much of it. Yeah. No, that's a good hobby, actually. I like I actually like being out on the boat in the lake. Just don't get to do much of it anymore. Yeah. 
what do you like to do? What's your favorite activity on the lake? Just sitting on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just chilling. Yeah. What would, what is a surprising fact about you that many people probably wouldn't know? That I'm 42. <laughs> I seem to get surprised with that. When I tell them how old I really am, people are like, okay. What's your favorite cereal? If you're a cereal eater. Cocoa puffs. Nice. That's a classic. What's your dream vacation? If you could go on your dream vacation, the Bahamas. Nice. I'm going <laughs> and soon. Awesome. I want one of those little huts. I want in one of the little huts that are in the water too. I want to sleep on the water. <laughs> I love it. That's a great plan. If you could be famous for one thing, what would it be? I've never thought about that. I'll reword it. Cause I think I, I may, it may be a tricky wording. If you had to pick one occupation that you would get famous for. I'd be a lawyer. A lawyer. That's originally what I was supposed to do. Tell me more. I wanted to go to law school. I actually wanted to do family law. And then I chose to just get married and have kids instead. I wanted to be a lawyer mainly for the kids, their voice. Because I think some of these lawyers are too worried about the politics more than they are actually listening to the kids. Yeah. So I wanted to make a difference. I actually yeah. been throwing up the idea of at least be going back to school for a paralegal because I can do that on my spare time and it only takes two years. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. I could totally see you doing that. Yep. I'm thinking about it. Got it. We'll keep us posted. I will do. We'd love to keep track of that. That's a really cool dream and achievable, I think, too. Amber, this has been so fun. Thank you again for coming on Empowered Owners. All right. Thank you for having me. Hi, Tabitha. Welcome to Empowered Owners. Hi, Chris. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for joining. So you're joining us to both debrief my discussion that I just had with Amber, and also we're going to talk a little bit about what eSopping excellence means, which is part of our strategy, a four-pronged kind of strategy pillars. First off, what did you think about my conversation with, with Amber? I thought it was a great conversation. I loved hearing about her and her story. And it's very exciting to hear her perception and her experience at Paramount and the change that they're seeing there in their culture. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's really neat to get like a perspective of someone who's been there before had left, came back because of the employee ownership kind of thing. And yeah, it's just interesting to get that kind of a perspective on it. I really enjoyed listening to her and learning more about her. That's really nice. Yeah, she had a really interesting like story in terms of kind of what she's been through and her goals and everything she's maybe overcoming. I found it pretty inspiring. I did too. Yeah, well, great. So as far as eSopping excellence, so you joined Empowered Ventures and a huge part of your work as financial controller is the eSop management and um, eSopping, we coined that phrase because being an eSop company involves some things that a lot of other companies that aren't eSops don't even ever have to worry about or learn or do. So I was wondering if you could kick us off by just giving us a summary of what you think about when it comes to what eSopping excellence means? First off, I think eSop excellence means sharing a lot more information and education with our employees. 
not necessarily just financial information, but how to be what I would call physically responsible for not only your business, but how you conduct yourself. And a lot of times it translates not only into them being better employees and better environments, but it helps them learn to manage their life or see what maybe they can do better on a daily basis. So that's really what comes to mind when I think of that. Yeah. So share like creating kind of a culture of employee ownership and a personal and fist and financial responsibility, both for themselves and for the companies. Yeah. A lot of the key terms that people talk about is financial literacy or that ownership mentality, helping employees think about everything they do. If I owned this business, is this the way I would do it? Or if I'm seeing waste, whether it's steps, dollars, product, time, bringing that to the attention of the business so that they can make it better. There's just a whole, tends to be a whole different mindset with employee ownership and thinking about how everything they do impacts not only themselves, but the business. And how can they be, like Amber said, how can they be a better teammate? How can they be a better team player? How can they make the whole experience better? That's so true. What else comes to mind when we talk about ESOPing excellence and maybe some of the things that ESOP companies have to do from like an administrative standpoint and governance and other things like that? What else comes to mind? There on the administration side, there's just a lot more from what we would call a fiduciary or a trusted party in relationship to the business and to the employees, meaning that in addition to all of your normal things that you do with employees, like health insurance or 401k, et cetera, with the ESOP plan, we're managing the business in such a way that we are building, as we talk about that long-term wealth and investment option to help support our employees when they become, when they exit the business, whether it's to go do something else or to retire. And so with that fiduciary responsibility, there's just a lot more administrative layers being audited like a public company's audited, but then also then taking those financials and reviewing them, determining the value of the business, even though we're not out in the public eye, and then applying that to ESOP, which then impacts their investment and expected return that we're making in the ESOP for them for the future. And so there's a lot more administration on that as with the valuation and also the record keeping because you have a third party that keeps the records and tracks your employees and what they've had contributed to their accounts. And then as the value changes each year, how that impacts as well as really keeping track of all of your employees, whether they're with the company or they exit the company. So there's just a lot more of layers of accounting for transactions, but then also overseeing them and making sure that we're keeping track of all those different aspects. Yeah, there's a lot to keep track of with an ESOP and, a, and some additional layers, record keeping, the governance component with our board of directors. We have a trustee of the ESOP that we kind of work with and coordinate with. 
And there's like a long-term financial management angle, which all companies have to care about financial management, but we have a unique element, which is what's called repurchase obligation management. This is all stuff that we aspire to be great at the holding company. And that way, kind of none of our portfolio companies have to worry about that, which is maybe one of the benefits of being part of an ESOP holding company. Is that how you think about it too? I, I do. And that's absolutely correct because I've been involved with ESOPs in the past. And if you're a single entity ESOP, then basically you're bearing the burden of all of that administration, where with our model of being an ESOP holding company, we are trying to handle all that administration then at the holding company level. Obviously, since we have, I shouldn't say obviously, but since we have different locations, we have people on site in HR or accounting or whatever their respective role is that helps us be the feet on the street and do the more of the tactical side of keeping track of the employees. But then basically they can hand that off to us and we can take care of, like I said, the audit, dealing with the trustees, dealing with the valuation company and our third party administrator that then is actually tracks and produces the account statements and keeps the fine detail of all of the different entities. And we actually, we report to them. It helps make sure that we're complying with all the legal laws, regulations, all that type of thing, as well as we grow, which is obviously our intent that there's different levels of growth. And as our employee count grows, then there's more strict requirements and expectations on how we manage those funds. So making sure we're complying with all of those as well. Yeah, so well put. Yeah, I think we covered that really well. Anything else coming to mind that maybe we haven't are missing could add to it? Or is that kind of cover what we mean by ESOPing excellence? I think it does, but pointing back to also the EO committees and what you were talking with Amber earlier is also us sharing that information and bringing the education to the employees so they understand the importance and hopefully that helps them value their role and increases their longevity with the company because that's more meaningful to them. And obviously we want employees to come and stay and enjoy what they do. So part of that ESOPing excellence is helping communicate that to them and give them the resources so that they're not recreating them. They can just share that information with their team members and help them to understand and be able to give them a vision for what they can do if they stay with the company. Awesome. Tabitha, thank you so much for coming on to debrief my conversation with Amber and share some thoughts on what we mean by ESOPing excellence. You are very welcome. I enjoyed being here. Well, that wraps up this episode of Empowered Owners. I'd like to thank Amber Dillard and Tabitha Lewis for joining me and Paramount's Priscilla Burdick for suggesting topics for my discussion with Amber. Remember, we want to hear from you. Please give us feedback, suggest guests and topics for future episodes, and tell us how we can keep improving the show. To reach us, send an email to hello at empowered.ventures. That's hello at empowered.ventures or use the contact form on our website, empowered.ventures. Last but not least, a big thank you to our production team at Share Your Genius. 
Be sure to join us next time on Empowered Owners as we explore the lives and stories of the amazing employee owners of Empowered Ventures. If you haven't already, follow on our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you for tuning in.